about a month ago, we tasked ourselves with keeping a journal of our deepest thoughts in a recollection of our days. We decided to pick out some entries and important themes to discuss here today on the podcast. This is going to be a very personal episode, so get ready to learn more about us. So, Halcyon, what would you say that you've learned about yourself in this experience? Um, that's a good question. I think during this experience, I learned a few things, such as I need to prioritize better. Um, I'm quite a procrastinator. I guess that is something I already knew, but this was just like an even more enlightening example of how that's true. Um, but it also showed me that like, even though I don't do much throughout the day since I work from home, I still have some like interesting, interesting stories to tell and interesting things that happen throughout the day, even though they might not always be the best things, they're still happenings. Yeah, I agree. I think that I saw my overthinking in like bright lights and I noticed that like I complain a lot and a lot of my negative thoughts come to, into my mind while I'm at work. That's when I did a lot of this journaling. Um, I recently put my resignation letter in for work. And, like, I understand why I did it. Because, like, I'm not in a good headspace while I'm there. And, like, my favorite part of the day is leaving. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, so, how did you look at it's the journal? It's not good to stay in a, in a bad place. So no. Move on. I think congrats. Thank you. And I'm excited to touch more on that situation as I leave. Um, But until then, I'm going to stay quiet on that. But how um, did you look at the journals? Like, was it annoying or was it something that you felt compelled to do? Oh, I I mean, I think annoying is a kind of strong word to use. I don't think it was annoying. But I guess at times it did feel like a task. Like, it wasn't. I didn't want to just cause you did yours on your phone. I was doing mine on the computer, so mm-hmm. I was like, go on the computer and like find this document. I make it sound like such a chore, but I don't know. Once you start, or once I started writing, it was really nice, and I just kept going. But my consistency was definitely not <laughs> there. I wish I had been more consistent, but but I. Feel- I, I doing it though yeah I enjoyed doing it as well and I feel like you were definitely more consistent at the beginning than I was I just did it whenever I felt drawn to but it was like a diary for me and it made me really like visualize and thoroughly think about everything I really enjoyed it and it was really relaxing it was another way to customize your life as I always say laying it out typing it in a certain way no punctuation I don't know I really enjoyed it So, were there any common themes that um, you noticed in our journals? Well, um, what you're saying is that good to go about what you learned about yourself. You said you complain a lot. I definitely agree that I think I complained a lot in mine, but I also feel like that's kind of the purpose of it. Not, I mean, not necessarily the purpose, but if there's something you want to talk about that's not, like, good and you don't want to talk about it in a very positive light, like, I think that's a good way to get it out is just, like, writing it and like talking about it in that format so yeah I definitely noticed a lot of complaining from myself but that doesn't make me really view myself differently no because of that like I feel like that's a good it's like a stress reliever yeah I thought that we both talked about love and we both talked about our inner emotions and how they might differ from others I remember in one of your later 
um, entries, you touched on that. I thought that was kind of cool. We were kind of like dissecting our thoughts. Yeah. So yeah. what do you think were the main differences in how we approached our journals? Oh, I mean, like, formatting was a big one. The mm-hmm. way we did, like, I remember back in September when we were talking about the journals, and I was like, Haley, we've only been writing for three days. How do you already have 11? <laughs> you were like, anytime I think of something, I just write it down. So that's how you approached it, and I approached it as I'm supposed to write daily in this about my day like how what did I do today what was on my mind like whatever so I guess I looked at it as more of like an overview of each day and you were like each thought every like it doesn't matter what date it is right and yeah I feel like yours your approach was more normal and mine were more of like tweets or lists they were like very short and to the point not necessarily about my day, but things that happened during it that I thought would spark like a bigger conversation or something that I feel like I had these thoughts all the time, but I never really like wrote them down or like put much thought into it. So it was nice to have those written down. Yeah, that's awesome. Because some of yours, yeah, like what you just said, were really deep and I like that. And this one was also way more detailed, I think, than mine. Especially since mine wasn't daily, like it was yeah. supposed How did it feel to share your personal feelings and entries with someone else? Oh, uh, pretty uncomfortable. Yeah. I think you're like super vulnerable. That's putting you in a position of vulnerability, which I personally never enjoy. I don't feel yeah. like most people do. <laughs> I really like being super vulnerable. Um, but yeah. I also think I would have felt even more uncomfortable had my entries been more personal. I mean, I guess these work somewhat, but nothing really that deep or personal is happening in my life at this point. So I, I didn't need to worry I, about Yeah, I remember being on FaceTime with you after the last podcast and being so nervous that you would think I was crazy in my entries but you responded to them so well and didn't make me feel like psychotic, which was nice because like my brain is very chaotic and hectic. And the thought of sharing that with someone else is just like so crazy to me, but it was cool to like share them with you and for you to have like a very cool reaction to it. Yeah. I thought they were great. Like the way you were talking about them beforehand, I was nervous. I was like, Oh gosh, what, what is about to be in here? But it really wasn't anything like that would make one pause. Yeah. Okay, so I think we're going to get to the point where we pick some of the entries, like the standout moments of each other's journals, and then we talk about them. So um, do you want to do the first entry that I picked for you? Oh, okay. So I read what I wrote. Yeah, and then we'll talk about it and like our thoughts. Okay, cool, cool. So this is what I wrote uh, one day. <clears throat> I know I'm doing this journal for the podcast. It feels good for me. I should journal more regularly anyways. I was planning on writing about retaliation today, but I guess that's when I was feeling deeper and darker. Those late night thoughts, you know? But now what's on my mind is grad school and me feeling like I'm owed another three semesters of college anyway. My last three semesters of college were in a pandemic and whacked out. So I'm really excited for grad school. I'm debating between which of those two is next for me job or school but it'll probably be one of the two so my take on this entry was just like capitalism is evil 
like the fact that we have to even have this conversation job or school is so disturbing to me i've been watching a lot of youtube videos about people's decision to quit their jobs and the american dream and it just, just upsets me one video that i watched was saying people are realizing they don't want to go to college and then work forever but it's like what if you want to learn and learning is so important but why does it cost so much money and take so much time to the point where it is a decision between work or school and this same take applies to work also it's like once you start working you have time for nothing the idea of juggling a full-time job in grad school sounds awful you know yeah no, I totally see where you're coming from. Even though, so it's like, that's why it's interesting to share your journals with other people. Because when I wrote it, that's not really like the approach I was taking when I was thinking that. Um, but yeah, that that's a true statement. That's another good point that goes along with it. I guess I was just like thinking about I'm at a crossroads. But yeah. I didn't think about it being an issue that this is a crossroads and like it's a choice that you have to make mm -hmm. like why can't you do both and i guess technically speaking i could but it'd be hard super yeah and, and it's like i think that's amazing that you weren't looking at it from that way because there's a way that like there's always like the ability for you to get out of your head and start thinking about all these things that are lined up for situations to happen and the fact that you were just thinking about okay this is my decision it just shows how level-headed you are and how like positive your mindset is that you're just like okay it's this or this instead of like why is it like this or this you know what i mean yeah i love totally. that okay so do you want to read your next one yes this one is embarrassing i love it okay Coughing at work is dehumanizing. I feel like an animal in a jungle. Sometimes I just want to be mysterious and grungy, and then I cough at work or school, and I'm just normal, average, and I feel like a zoo animal. Come to the exhibit and watch the stupid girl cough. I literally almost choked to death at work because I was so afraid to cough. I have a W-A-M, wet ass mouth. <laughs> and so this one stood out to me, I guess, primarily because of the pandemic like mm -hmm. covid coughing like if you cough people automatically look at you and they think you have covid and it's like awful so i thought about it like that and i just thought this one was also kind of like humorous like i read it with a lighthearted tone and um i don't know you you talk about your job quite a bit and how yeah. you don't feel like fit in there and for you to use that comparison of like, I'm like a zoo animal on exhibit that are people that people are coming to watch. I don't know. It just it resonated with me. Thank you. And this actually was a really bad situation. I have really, really bad anxiety. Like it's awful. Like my social anxiety is so bad in certain situations that it's it's like crippling. And so I was at work, I was sitting there and I needed to cough, but I had already coughed or something and I was just like getting really embarrassed. And instead of coughing, I was like coughing in, but closing my mouth. So I literally started like, <clears throat> like it was like this gross sound, like I was choking. And the lady behind me was like, are you okay? It sounds like you're choking. And I was just so embarrassed, but I was so embarrassed to cough that I literally like almost died. So that's how I am. And that's how uncomfortable I am at work. And it's just it's so sad but yeah that's just how I felt and I do feel like a zoo animal at work and it sucks but 
that's why I'm leaving. So. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. I know. And so your next entry, do you have that pulled up? Um, yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Ready? Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. I'm on the wrong one. So <laughs> what's been on my mind today is that I know I'm going to shave my head completely bald in a few weeks, and I'm feeling nervous. I know that that's natural, and of course I will be nervous, but my biggest concern is that it will be ugly or I'll look like a man. And... I feel like the way that you're saying it, it's in, like, a lighthearted tone, like you said earlier. But, like, when I read it, I didn't – that's not how I heard it. And I feel like I'm already seeing, like, how we internalize this this conversations differently. And so me and you have had this conversation before about being misgendered in public and how it almost feels like second nature to be non-binary or gender fluid because of how masculinized black women are in society. But – does that idea go out of the window when you shave your head? I have always preferred longer hair myself, but I never thought of it as something shielding me away from masculinity. I guess maybe in combination with like a lack of makeup or feminine presenting clothes, but why do certain characteristics have to belong to a gender? Wow. Okay, that's a really good question. That's such a, a deep sociological women and gender studies question. I don't think I'm qualified to answer. But <laughs> why do why do some traits have to belong to a specific gender? Man, that's a deep societal question. Uh, but I feel like in general, baldness is like a trait that belongs to the to the gender of men. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is not how I identify. No. But I have been misgendered before, and unlike a lot of people, I feel like it doesn't really bother me that much. Same, yeah. Um, Like, I literally had a student the other day come in thinking I was a boy or Mm -hmm. a dude or whatever, and I was just like, "Uh, no, even though my last name is Guy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's totally fine. But I think the thing about being bald i was watching videos on youtube because of course i was and like it's definitely natural to be nervous about making such a huge change to your appearance at one time like it's not like i'm progressively chopping it off like i'm going to shave it all off and just be bald Mm -hmm. Um, i'm just gonna look super different and yeah i guess i am scared of like looking even more like a man because i have been misgendered before but it's not super often Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like worried it'll be like every other day you know yeah. someone's like that's a dude which I guess I understand but I guess I'm looking at it from the frame as like you know you want to shave your head like you yes. want to have this journey so it's like that's part does of it journey. matter you know what I mean like it matters but does that outweigh you wanting to shave your head and have this journey no definitely right. not people's perception of me isn't doesn't matter to me mm-hmm. really i guess like it's not <laughs> not a ton but right. i guess in some, at some point or to some degree it does it does matter because we care about what people think about us at least a little bit mm-hmm. um we wish or i wish i could say i completely don't care what people think but i don't know i think i'm at a healthy point how i feel about how people think about me like I don't feel like it's all I care about but I care about it enough to like yeah 
Okay, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next entry. Okay, so four. Um, colorism, the beauty standard, and being hit on at the gym. I've never experienced that. It's kind of sad that it is... Oh, wait, sorry. <laughs> I've never experienced that. It's kind of sad. Is that normal or am I just awkward? There's more. Oh, there oh, is? Those? Oh, wait, sorry. Hold on. <laughs> oops, oops, oops. Oh, tall girls always lose. Fat phobia. You can't be fat, ugly, dumb, and poor or something. That's so messed up. Sometimes I yearn for sexism and misogyny, to be honest. I once heard, think back to the time you were catcalled the most. You were probably underage, weren't you? And whoa, yeah, that's probably true. Wow, so this one, I don't know. I feel like I chose this one for a few reasons. Colorism is definitely an issue that you talk about to, uh, a lot. So I can tell it's something that's important to you and like close to your heart. Mm-hmm. Um and being hit on at the like okay to me this entry just really shows how personal it is because i think saying that is something that's so against the grain it's against like mainstream yeah however if that's your personal experience and that's how you feel no one can invalidate that and say that it's not true like mm -mm, i've never so like also where you say tall girls always lose Mm -hmm. you're a tall woman and that is how you feel like you don't feel like tall people have that privilege or advantage or okay not people because for men it's hard to argue but for tall women you're saying you know you don't feel that tall privilege however i think as society would say like tall girls always win right look at like models actresses yada 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 so i chose this one because i just think it's so good and it shows like why like people's experiences are like not monolithic. We all have different experiences, even if we share some of the same traits. Mm-hmm. Like if we're tall, we can still have different experiences as tall people. Right. Or if we're, um, uh, I fat. don't know, another. Yeah, fat. We can have different experiences as fat people. I, yeah, we we definitely can. Um, but this one doesn't. Yeah. So that's, that's, those are my thoughts. <laughs> this is like so vulnerable because this is so problematic in so many ways, so many things that I say in this, but it's just like coming from a girl who I touched on this later in my thing, it's like, I never seriously dated. I've never seriously dated. And I've fallen down the side of TikTok about a lot of other late bloomers and their stories. And it's like that you find yourself yearning for things that are so messed up and things like misogyny. And it's like, that's so sad that you feel like you missed out on something so pivotal or just something that someone else experienced that you didn't to the fact that you're yearning for things that are like awful you know and it's like I wrote it I felt it and I shared it with you but it's like that's so deep and dark I don't know Uh yeah I agree it's like it's I think it's very normal to have feelings and stuff like that but since no one ever talks about it or says that because it's so like taboo we all just feel like it's not okay to feel this way but it definitely is Mm -hmm. okay are you ready for your next entry Uh, 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 uh yeah i'm ready 
Okay. So this man came up to me today and asked if I was married and if he could give me his number at Food Line. I was like, ew, get away from me. Yes, I'm married. Leave me alone. Especially considering that less than an hour ago, he thought I was freaking 15. I didn't completely shut him down because I was trying to be nice. So I was like, maybe, perhaps. But in reality, I was like, this guy is a creep. Okay, so I want to mention that these are like two different men that Halcyon is talking about in this um, journal entry. But like I said earlier in my previous entry, I once saw something online that said, think of the time when you were catcalled the most, you were underage, weren't you? I couldn't agree more. There is a heightened sexualization of children and it is disturbing and needs to be addressed. Um, Also, the fact that in this journal entry, you talk about how you need to be nice to someone even when you feel uncomfortable. That's so disgusting and not fair at all. Um, And I also wanted to extend the idea of sexualization of minors um, to TV. I watch a lot of Netflix and something that I've been seeing uh, critiqued online is the amount of TV shows centered around high schoolers and how gross it is that they are like shown in sexual circumstances, sexualized in general. Some creators have taken a vow to stop watching shows centered in high school, even though these actors and actresses are adults. There is still something inherently wrong with this. That I would like to avoid. I think that there should be more shows focusing on college students in that early 20s phase and age. Um, I think that's why we were also so grown to grownish. Um, we were so drawn to it. So how do you feel about that? I think you brought up a lot of really good points that I didn't articulate in my journal entry. Such as uh, the one that I'm really going to focus on is where he said, I feel the need to be nice or like to still have to be nice even Mm -hmm. in a situation where I'm uncomfortable. Another gendered issue in America like that's something women have to deal with. Not really men. Like men can be so mean and aggressive and it doesn't matter. But if I'm, especially as a black woman I can either be nice and like just try and be friendly about it and be like, oh, maybe, but not really. <laughs> or I can become that aggressive black woman, which is another like trope, stereotype, whatever, that you don't want to be labeled as and just be really mean about it. So it just, it's like a lose-lose situation at the end of the day. Right. And I, something I touched on in this entry, I didn't really reread it, but I think I was saying something about how like this didn't happen to me before. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what has changed and made it happen like so many times and not not even a long span of time it's yeah. just like very uncomfortable and I don't know what the change is what has happened but I don't like I don't like being approached at the grocery store or anywhere else for that matter in a in a way like that mm-hmm. I don't like it and it's super like I'm not a fan I'm not right. a fan and I remember uh, reading you say um, I'd rather people just not come up to me at all. Like, I don't want anyone to talk to me. And I understand feeling like that way also. Yeah. Like, I, and I stand by that. Like, I would 100%. Like, I don't even feel comfortable going to Food Lion alone anymore at this point. Because it's like, wow. an old man is going to try and ask for my information. And, like, then I think paranoia sets in. And I'm like, okay, they're going to watch me go to my car or something you could like follow me like it's it's so scary and I know at that point I'm probably just being paranoid but if you watch enough crazy shows you Mm -hmm. get like these crazy thoughts and you're like okay this is this is terrifying and this is so different than my sexism misogyny 
uh, entry. Like, we talked about this before you brought it up. And it's, like, they're, like, the opposite for, like, completely different reasons, which is interesting also. But I still sympathize with you. It's a nice contrast because you can see, like, the issues on both sides. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. (laughs) Okay. Six. What is the motivation behind going on a reality TV show, if not money or clout? Would you want your real love story displayed on national television? I feel like the only show not included in this is Love is Blind. Why is Love is Blind's premise superior? So I really just love this. It's not really that deep, TBH, but I just think it's such an interesting concept. And I watch a lot of reality TV as well, so... I definitely have thought about this before, and a reality show that makes me think about it even more is one called Wife Swap. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've heard. Yeah. But, like, the people who go on Wife Swap, they, like, reject mainstream society. So I'm like, even the money that they get from doing this show, like, how is it benefiting them? Like, why are they participating in this like it's really just to share their beliefs with another family it's it's crazy to me it's really good i mean i enjoy watching the show but mm-hmm. i'm there drama but <laughs> but yeah i just really liked this one because i thought it was so different like it's not about yourself or about like how you feel or your life and there's nothing wrong with those but this one was like something different outside of yourself and very unique but now that you said it like why do people go on life swap Like, it's obvious that they're trying to find two people at the end of the spectrum. And I feel like they're not even trying to influence the family that they're switching with. I feel like that's more of, like, a facade. But they're more of, like, I don't know. Maybe they're, like, proud in their ways. I have no idea. Like, part of me was even thinking, what if if all of this is constructed and, like, this isn't even how these families live. Like, all these people are just actors. Yeah. And it's for our entertainment. I don't know. I think some crazy things sometimes when I watch Life Swap because it is crazy. No, but, like, the families are real. But I, I feel like maybe it's just more over-exaggerated. But then it's, like, you look at shows like 600-pound life, and it's, like, those people aren't going on there to, like, be get clout. Like, they're going on there to get gastric bypass and other surgeries to lose weight and it's like at the end of the day they know that they need help and that's why they're going on it so it's like but I don't think wife swap is the same I don't think these families are going on because they know that they need help you know yeah if anything they think they're like helping someone else I mean I guess there was this one episode where I saw the guy who was he went on there and he was like I came on wife swap to save my marriage but other than that like that was one episode I don't know right like I would that the main reason is for money because you get a lot of money from doing reality tv but then i think about the families who live like in trees in the forest or something like money is a non-factor for them yeah that is so interesting i forgot about this entry but it was a nice point to bring up okay oh it's me now mm-hmm. okay let me see where am i Oh, okay. Um, (laughs) I like this one. Uh, I think using too much technology is bad for our minds. Like, I do that really often, which I don't think is good. I'll be in the middle of doing something and completely forget what I was doing. 
I love this and I feel like we touched on this in the last episode about like how sometimes you just like are aimlessly scrolling and you're like what am I doing like I don't want to do this anymore but like we aren't supposed to have as much access as we do with the internet it can become very overwhelming and overstimulating and at the end of the day after coming home from working in front of a computer the last thing we should do is stay on it longer like what is the answer and how do we fix this um I've been trying to find hobbies to occupy myself with, um, getting back into reading, journaling, etc. But sometimes you just want to watch a show. It's not like you get to experience that during the day. I, I think this is why I enjoy working at home because there's more of a balance. I don't know. There's just something about the technology that stresses me out. Yeah. The thing about working from home, though, I don't know if it really will prevent you from watching as much TV or like looking at in general. Mm Because I know for me personally, I'll be at work and I can like have the TV playing in the background with myself or something and I can still be watching TV. It's terrible. But like you were saying with the hobbies, I definitely have wanted to get into reading more, like not even reading on an iPad or something. I'm talking a paperback book that'll just help my eyes rest more I don't want to like play the tv when I'm trying to go to bed but I usually do it's just really bad though like I'm just glad that I can be aware of it and more cognizant of it Mm -hmm. and try to work to improve it because I know the example I gave in the entry was like I was at Walmart to get some apple cider vinegar and then I started walking and I was supposed to be going towards the vinegar, but I forgot what I was supposed to be doing. And I got to, like, the back of the store with the milk and the yogurt and stuff. And I was like, what was I looking for? Mm-hmm. It's just so bad. And there are plenty of examples like that where I'm doing something. I'm, like, going somewhere or doing something. And then it just leaves my brain what I was supposed to be doing. And it's it's not good. And I want to fix that. Yeah, I get that 100%. written all over it. Yeah, and I've been reading a lot too. If you need any book recommendations, I can give you some. And I asked for a lot of books for Christmas instead of like dumb stuff, like instead of like materialistic stuff, just to get more into reading. And I really enjoyed it, but the worst part is like setting time aside to do it. But yeah. I can see that, especially if you're like a slow reader, which i tend to be <laughs> and i took all my books from my childhood room back this weekend so i have like a bunch of my twilight books here now and a bunch of books i bought and never read so that'll get me hopefully a little bit more motivated to do that so um yeah so this is my next one which is kind of messed up <sighs> routine ignorance follow the leader how many things am i doing just because my parents did them how do you break a habit and I loved, loved, loved this one because I think this one is also, like, very relatable, not only to me, but, like, to listeners as well. Because we do what we're familiar with and what we're comfortable with. I think the perfect example is going off to college for the first time and living with roommates. And mm-hmm. they do think very differently than you do because you do what you grew up with, what you're familiar with. And it's a totally different experience on campus and off campus. Because I think when you live on campus in a room, like the standards are just like very general. Like you should be respectful, be quiet, blah, when the person's trying to sleep, stuff like that. Like it's like, duh. Mm -hmm. But when you live off campus with roommates, 
they're like little things that are just so different between you and other people because you do what you're familiar with. So you really need to like learn how to adapt and change. I mean, you don't have to change everything about yourself. I obviously like did not and I won't. But there's some things, you know, like people, some people do it this way. Some people like a, a small example. When I before I moved in an apartment with roommates when I washed dishes, I would like fill up the sink with dish water and put the dirty dishes in that like pool of water. That means like I would stop up the drain to wash the dishes in all this water and then rinse them and dry them. And I usually dry dishes by hand, like with a towel or something and put them away. But after living with roommates, I don't really use like that stopper anymore i just wash dishes Mm -hmm. like i run the water and then i put them on a drying rack and dry and put them away hours later after they're dry so it's like that's just a small example but it's like how do you do things differently than what you're so accustomed to yeah it's like when do you learn to think for yourself almost but in a more abstract way of it I feel like when I was talking, when I wrote this entry, I was talking about, like, decorations, like, how you decorate your house, your traditions for holidays and stuff like that. Like, you do what you were raised on most of the time, unless you, like, switch religion or something like that. And then I was thinking about, like, the cars that I will buy. They'll probably be something similar or, like, a similar brand to what my family bought. And it's, like, just because they did it doesn't mean it's right. You know what I mean? And it's, like, sometimes you have to take your way out of thinking and be, like, you can choose, like... I'm so keen on customization and making those choices. And it's like, just because someone else did it doesn't mean you have to. And sometimes it's hard to wrap your head around that. Maybe that's just me. But there's so many things. And the banks that we use and the way that we, you know what I mean? The way we tie our shoes. Like, it's all from our parents. Everything that you're instilled to a certain extent is from your parents. But it's like, when do you cut loose from that? Yes, I love that. And then, like, going off of that same token, there are things that you see them do that you're, like, you make that conscientious choice. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it opposite. Like, I'm going yeah. to do it differently. I'm not going to do that same thing. And then there are some things where it, you don't even think about it. Exactly. You just, it, you just do what they did because that's what you know. Exactly. It's, like, those things that rub you the wrong way growing up, you're quick to fix those. But the ones that might, like, add up more and there's more of the, like, just casual things that they dig, you're probably less likely to change, which is so crazy to me. Yeah, like, phrases that your parents say Mm -hmm. or, like, vernacular that they use. You definitely pick up on that and you don't notice that you sound different until you go into a new, different environment. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. That one's great. Next up, oh, okay. Here's me. I wrote. I also think it's important to celebrate the small victories, so I need to take it one step at a time. Uh, reading this, I don't even re- remember what context this was in, but taken completely out of context, yes, celebrate the small victories. I remember. It was like you hadn't done enough or you felt like you hadn't done enough, but then you did something and you were like, but I did that and that was enough. It was, I think it was, like, it was, like, job applications or something. Mm, makes sense. But, like, <laughs> this might be a little bit out there for me to ask, but how does your mind work? Like, do you ever take a deep dive like this? Um, wait, this is the wrong thing. 
This is so important. How do we continue to do this? And when are we pushing it too far? Like, what is a healthy way to celebrate the small victories without minimizing the bigger ones? Um, that's an awesome question. I don't, and honestly, I don't know because I feel like I don't really celebrate the big victories nearly as much because I think if you celebrate the small victories that lead up to it, then you're just like, I don't know, like you just have that satisfaction at the end, if that makes any sense. Like, okay, for instance, we graduated from college this year. I'm trying Mm -hmm. to think what I did to celebrate graduation. And uh, I'm drawing a blank. Like, I'm like, I I went to the Bruno Mars concert. That's true. But that was months and months and months later. But I guess that's why I did it. But I don't know. Like, something that happened immediately after graduation that I was like, this is my big celebration because I feel like that's definitely a big victory and I didn't really do that much but mm, I don't know to celebrate myself I just I just think self-care but that's bad because self-care should not be a reward self-care should be like care that you just do always I feel like I'm really good at treating myself for everything I'll always buy myself food. I'll always buy myself stuff on Amazon, stuff in the store. I'll go get a candle. I go to the dollar store and get stuff. Like, I feel like I'm always doing, like, the self-love aspect to the point where I feel like I don't need to, like, really celebrate the big and small things. But I do like to travel, and I feel like traveling is a great way to do that. And then you mentioned the concert. I feel like a concert's a good way. Like, planning an event or an outing, maybe? Yeah. I love that. I just feel like, like when you're, I don't even know if self-aware is the word, but when you know that like you just about had enough, like when you feel like you need a break, I'm going to bring this back to Hamilton, but (laughs) (laughs) no, you need to just take a break. Like do it. Yeah. Do it. You know yourself better than anyone, or Mm -hmm. at least you should. So right. I think when you feel like that, you, you know, when you need to stop. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, this one is really, like, personal to me. Today I saw a TikTok talking about how Nicki Minaj is probably on the spectrum and putting up video clips showing her stemming, etc. I just think it's so harmful. When can neurodiversity just be accepted and not have to be acknowledged? I just didn't like how the clips were put together. I have a lot of characteristics of those on the spectrum, and I wish they could all just be normalized. Like, it's okay to get sensory overload or have to have your spaces a certain way and follow a certain schedule. And none of those traits necessarily mean you are on the spectrum. And who cares if you are? Yeah. Beside this one or under it in my notes, I literally wrote that this one was my favorite one. Um... Because it's just so good, and it's so true. And it's not even something that I think about that often. But I had another, like, anecdote about my aunt um, who says, who says, who makes comments, uh, usually about me, that are very, like, derogatory, where she's like, oh, you're on the spectrum, you're, like, uh, very special, like, (gasps) just using things like that. It's very offensive and wrong, but, like the same time it shouldn't be offensive because there's nothing wrong with being autistic but the way in which we use a lot of these terms are derogatory and offensive and it's it's not good it's not good to like stigmatize certain groups and outcast them and I feel like we don't really talk about 
the neurodiverse community as much as we should because it's it's so broad you know right and like growing up I feel like the people around me always just referred to me as like weird and like really uncomfortable and like social settings and stuff instead of like actually like diving deeper into that and like getting a proper like evaluation and stuff like that and it's like I feel like some people are so scared for someone to be on this spectrum that they end up harming them while taking those resources away from them. You know what I mean? Yes. And it's just Uh so toxic. And, um, yeah, that video really rubbed me the wrong way. And I could tell the creator was coming from, like, a good place. But it's, like, no, I don't even think that everyone needs to share if they're on the spectrum. Like, it should just be normal. People think and learn differently. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not... I don't, I don't like how society approaches that situation. Yeah, it's wrong. I agree. I haven't even seen this TikTok. Um, I don't have TikTok. But when I think of Nicki Minaj as a character, like what you were saying about sharing some traits of like ne- the with the neurodiverse community, I can see that same thing in her. Like she's very... I don't know. But the way, I don't know how to describe how Nicki Minaj is, but I can see why someone would, like, compare her. But the way in which it was done, like, I still don't think that's right. Yeah, it was almost as if, like, the person was outing them as being um, neurotypical. And I'm like, that's not cool. Like, that's not cool. Like, she could actually be diagnosed and not want to say it. Or she could be perfectly fine. And it's like, that's where sometimes social media, like, really, like, hurts me and like pisses me off because it's like why are you doing this and just because this person's a celebrity you feel like you can talk about them and make assumptions about them based off the various videos you've seen of Nicki Minaj over the years which isn't enough to like accurately um diagnose anyone with anything you know yeah and the way my aunt does it she does it in a way that it seems like she's trying to be joking but I'm just like it's not funny at it's all. not it's not, it's not it's something just, to joke about. It's not, like, what? Yeah. That's somebody's identity. Whether it's my identity or not, like, that's a different story, but it's not a joke. It's really not. I and, make that funny. And I love that you're, like, you're not just, like, accepting it because it's for your family members. Like, family members can say and do very messed up things to hurt you, and you don't 100%. have to just sit and take it. No, certainly not. She's one of the worst people I know. And, yeah. But I'm really happy that you related to this and that we are on the same ground with it. Yeah. Okay. Next up. Oh, I'm in the wrong document. <laughs> this is so bad. Um, no, why does it keep taking me to the... <sighs> What's my next one? I okay. like writing like this. Oh, you're, you've been, okay, okay. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. So I like writing like this, though, because when I just keep going, I think it generally ends up being about something rather entertaining or interesting. It's like a dive into my mind where I just reach in and see what I pull out. So this might be a little out there, but how does your mind work? Do you ever take a deep dive like this in general? If not, how do you feel about writing? And do you think that by not writing things down, you aren't fully analyzing your inner thoughts? I'm such an overthinker, so I know this is a difficult thing to answer, but everyone's minds are so different. Like, would you have done this without the journals? 
No. To answer that first question right off the bat, no, I don't think I would have done it without the journals. The next question was, uh, do do I think I'm able to to analyze my thoughts fully and completely without writing them down? Probably not. I think I do get somewhat of an analysis of my thoughts at times if I so choose to, like if I want to sit there and analyze it, then I can, but I don't think I'm getting like as complete of an analysis or synthesis as if I were to write it down. Yeah, I Um, agree. And then was there another one? Um, no, I think that was pretty much it. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so the entry was in reference to, I didn't really know what to write about, so I just, like, okay, when I was in high school, I would go to this camp in the summer, it was called DYWC, Duke Young Writers Camp, mm-hmm. and it's like, write, it was a writing camp, so um, we had these times of the day called free write, and that's where you just write about anything, and that's usually what my free writes were about, because I was like, I don't know what to write about, so I'm just gonna start writing whatever I'm thinking in my head, and if I just kept going, it would usually turn into something. Yeah. <laughs> This one, uh, if you read this one, it really didn't. But I also think that's because I had a lot of distractions present. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Yeah, I was just wanting to know more about your mind. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so my next one is boundaries are so hard. People-pleasing is so hard to maintain. Perfectionism is the devil. Trying to perfect or balance or healthily include these things in my life is my personal hell. The good place really made me change my perspective, and I feel like at any angle, any person looks at their lives, um, at any angle that a person can look at their lives, they could see it as their personal hell. That show made me think a lot, to be honest. I forgot I wrote this one. I really liked this one, especially, like, the first part of it. I didn't really touch too much on the second part, but perfectionism and being a people pleaser, you know, I gave it a shot back in my younger days. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I tried to please the people, but at some point, I don't even know when I made that switch, but I have honestly just given up. Like, I really don't care. And going back to that whole bald thing, saying I don't care what people think, but, like, to an extent, I do. But when it comes to pleasing people, I say for the most part, maybe not 100%, but I really don't care. Yeah, that's great. I just have to give up. Like, I have have to be more about me care more about myself than others which definitely sounds bad but I think in practice it's the better way to to go about life and I love that because I feel like I'm the complete opposite when I was younger I was like with my parents I was always trying to people please like I feel like I had pretty strict parents growing up in comparison to my peers so I was always trying to please them like with school and stuff but like when I was a teenager I did not give anything I didn't care about what my parents thought I didn't care about what my teachers thought I was so like awful but what I did like about that time was that I didn't really care what other people thought not to the level that I do now and I just would love to go back to that so I think it's interesting that we differ in that wait Um, so where you are now do you think you are a people pleaser or do you think you don't care at all I think I'm like we were talking about this before this episode started about how like I feel like my ego and my self-esteem is high and low at the same time I think that my people-pleasing is the same, 
because like I said, I have really bad anxiety. So sometimes like I can't, like I physically can't people please. Like I'm, I'm at my level, I've tapped out. Um, like I'm really quiet, especially at my job. I don't talk to people. I just kind of like do my own thing. But when it comes to the work, I really do want to please the people. You know what I mean? So it's like a balance. Um, but I wanted to ask you, when you watched The Good Place, did you ever look at your life and think like maybe my life is my own personal hell? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't think I ever thought that when I was watching The Good Place. Um, no, no. I did. It's, so maybe I'm living wrong because like I was like. Huh? I guess, yeah. Like I didn't give you a drawn out answer. I just said a simple no, simple answer. I guess it's just like maybe because you're always striving for something that you don't have or that's how I feel about my life that I was like my life could definitely be my personal hell with the things that like I have to encounter and things that I do but it's like maybe that's just like such a toxic way of thinking. Maybe uh, <laughs> like when I think about my life is it perfect? No. No but do I think hell would be a lot worse? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I do. And I don't um, think about it like that. I think about it in the show. Like, you're living, and then there's, like, a lot of things that you don't like. You know what I mean? Like, you're living, and there's, like, a lot of things that you don't like, but you can't, like, get out of it. And you're, like, put in the situation that you don't want to be in at all times, and you're just, like, living in it, you know? But I think that's just me being negative and a pessimist, so. Interesting. Yeah, that's one of my crazier thoughts. I don't even know what to say about that. Yeah, it's probably therapy necessary on that level. <laughs> I don't know. Do you have your next I'm one? Like, I'm like J. Cole. There's no such thing as a life that's better than yours. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, is this it. the last one? I believe yeah, so. this is yours. <clears throat> Oh, this is this one's funny. Okay, so I'm starting to realize that I need a lot of money. LOL. I know that sounds weird, but what I mean when I say that is that right now I have little financial responsibility, but I also make little money. And if my income doubled, but I had the sole financial responsibility for myself and my needs, I'd be super broke. <laughs> so yeah, I need lots of money. My take on this was that capitalism is so awful. Like, this time in our lives is so pivotal. And with little instruction, we are responsible for so much, but so little. But it's such a difference than being in college, and no one is prepared for that transition mentally or physically. Like, how can we make this transition easier? And why is it so common for people to be underpaid so much so um, for their work to the point where they can't visualize being dependent, like being independent? Um although they work a full-time career like this is such a flaw in society to me yeah yeah I think it's interesting that you related two of my entries back to capitalism always capitalism that's awesome that's funny um yeah but I think this one more so than the first one about grad school and jobs is more capitalistic but I wasn't again (laughs) I don't think I was thinking from that mindset when I wrote it I was just like looking at jobs like I looked at this one job in Puerto Rico that I was telling you about but you only got $36,000 a year Mm -hmm. and I was like hmm is that feasible like is that worth it 
what's the cost of living in Puerto Rico? It's probably not that high, but uh, I don't know. $36,000. Yikes. Because I won't say how much I make now, but it's not a lot. And 36000 is mm, like, nope, nope. Just thinking about all the more expenses I would have. And no, no, it just, no, sounds bad. Yeah. Bad deal. (laughs) (laughs) I get it. Okay. So my last one, Stockholm syndrome is so freaking crazy, but I get it. I'm always drawn to and towards the things and people that have caused me the most harm and hurt. Why can't it be the other way around? So when I read this one, I just thought that was really interesting. Um, And some questions popped in my head. I said, do you have any examples? I said, I agree in some instances, but it's hard for me to identify one right on the spot that is personal to me. It makes me think of drug abuse, TBH. Like when I hear something like that, like the first thing I think of is like, oh, like someone who's addicted to alcohol or drugs or whatever. But it definitely doesn't have to be like, I feel like when I think of Stockholm syndrome, I think more of like an abuser and a person, like a person and another person. Mm -hmm. So it could a relationship or something like that so i was just wondering if you had any specific examples and then also the song walk away by christina aguilera immediately came to mind because that's what she's asking in the song she's like what do you do when you know something's bad for you but you like have to keep going back to it she's like in the song she goes i just keep going right back to the one thing that i need to walk away from yeah, and I do have a specific, I do have a specific example. It's like for me, I can recognize when I'm like yearning for like a past relationship or a past friendship. I'm my memory is jaded and I can I can still feel all the hurt that that person might have caused me, but I still like want their approval or I still want their communication or I still want their um like their their presence. So that's what I was talking about personally. Um, Someone could be so sweet to me, so nice to me, but I literally just like, I wouldn't think about it. But I guess it's just like that attention. Like even if it's negative, even if it was like toxic, I still yearn for it in a way, which is so weird. And I just wonder like, what is in that? Like why are people so drawn to people that are so rude to them? Because that's how I feel sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I definitely don't think that's everybody, but I'm not a Yanla Van Zandt, but that sounds like a question she could answer. (laughs) And I feel like it also relates back to the idea of people pleasing. Like, you want to, like, even if they, if you felt like you weren't good enough for them. Like, I have a friend who's in a relationship right now, and she feels like she's not good enough for her partner. And she feels like they keep on insinuating that to her. And it's like, but she's still so like in love with them and so drawn to them. You know what I mean? And it's like, you still, you want them to want you as bad as you wanted them, even if they are rude to you, you know? Wow. Yeah. My question, I guess, after that is, do you, so are you saying you think you are drawn more to people who like treat you poorly than the people who treat you well? I think so to an extent and like with again with my job I don't want to keep on bringing this up but it's like I felt so bad leaving it and it's like I despise going there I didn't want to work there in the first place like I literally it 
pains me to go in most mornings. But I still decided to work there after my internship. I still worked there and I literally almost didn't even quit. You know what I mean? And it's like, this place caused me so much harm and hurt. Why do I feel indebted to these people? And I feel like this kind of relates back to capitalism in terms of the job. It's like, why do you feel like you have to stay at a company like just because you put your time in? You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it doesn't matter. Like, I've again, I've been watching a lot of videos about quitting your job and the American dream, etc. And it's like, you're working for this company to gain money and gain notoriety and all of that. It's not for yourself. It's like, but why do you feel so, like, indebted to them? Like, the company doesn't have feelings. The people might. But you know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I see what you're saying. But unlike you, this is the first time you've left the job. I've left plenty of jobs. I don't want to say plenty. I can think of <laughs> two right off and And, yeah, I think... <clears throat> One of my jobs that shall remain unnamed, I left on pretty bad terms anyway. So I I didn't feel any type of way about leaving. I was when I was gone, I was gone. I was like deuces bye. I don't. Uh-uh. But the other one, I felt bad to some degree, but the only reason why was because they were already kind of short staffed, and I was like, oh, I don't want to have to leave y'all and you'll have even less people with me gone you know so it was that but yeah like I still haven't even quit my first job like technically I could go back and work tomorrow like isn't that crazy like I've never like actually quit a job like a job's ended like my internships have ended but I didn't quit like you know what I mean like they just ended so I think that's what's making this harder for me um Uh but that's interesting that you looked at it completely different and that's great that you don't feel that way about, like, Stockholm Syndrome and people who do you wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, like, no, I'm sorry. Actually, I'm not sorry. Like, after someone wrongs me, I don't... Mm-mm, mm-mm, no. Yeah, that's better. It's over. Process. It's over. And it's not even, like, a bitter it's over, like, I'm angry and I'll hate you forever. It's not like that. I don't just, feel like that. Over but it. when I'm done, when you cross me like that, no, sorry, yeah. no going back from that. That's great. Halcyon, I wanted to ask you, are you going to continue to journal, you think? Oh, yeah, definitely. I I've know you did it before. Like, 2015. Yeah, <laughs> I have not been journaling since 2015. I've never really journaled consistently. Um, I'm not consistent. But I do... Uh, I do want to do it. Uh, I have a manifestation journal and a dream journal that I haven't been using the dream journal a lot. But I also bought this journal when I was at home. It's called Start Where You Are. And I really like it. I would recommend everyone to get it. Um, but how seem was there anything that was hard for you to admit within your journal? OMG. Um, I don't I don't think so, but I would probably need to go back and read it. But just thinking about the stuff I wrote, no, I don't think there was anything that difficult for me to admit as I was writing however I will say in like previous journals not necessarily this one but in other ones I have felt more I keep using the term self-aware and I don't know if that's the right one or not but it's like yeah there's stuff about me that I realize is true that I might not necessarily want to be true right this 
I agree. Like, I feel like all of my self-confidence-related entries, the ones pertaining to the male gaze, misogyny, and when I feel insecure and ugly, I feel like in those, I'm subscribing to, like, pretty messed up ways of thinking. And so that's something I like to work on with my inner reflection and growth. Um, but for some reason, like, writing it, I guess because I wasn't thinking about sharing all of the entries with you. So it wasn't hard for me to admit. Like, it wasn't hard for me to write down. But um, thinking about you reading them, that was like a whole other journey in itself, you know? Yeah, 100%. Like, you can write something down and, you know, expect it to only be for your eyes. And when you write something like that and you expect it to be only for your eyes, you can say literally anything Mm -hmm. and it won't matter. And you'll just, like, feel it and it's like, (sighs) but if you know someone else is going to read it, they're definitely ways in which you censor yourself right and would you recommend others to do this with their friends and just for themselves what was the question can you repeat that would you recommend others to do this with their friends and just for themselves yes i yeah. would definitely this it's so fun mm-hmm. it was really it's really nice huh i said and it's enlightening yeah i think we should do it like this should be like a thing that we do like maybe not every month but like every season or just something just like really like get us to have these deeper conversations i really enjoyed it a lot yeah yeah i definitely recommend people doing it with their friends it's like interesting like we were saying before we started recording this podcast after we shared our journals with each other our entries became more similar at least in form like Haley's were pretty short and towards October mine were shorter like end of September beginning of October it was like just a few lines and Mm -hmm. Haley started becoming longer towards the end it was like writing more sentences or things that (laughs) (laughs) they had some of the structures of a sentence yeah I'm not a great writer but it was really fun Um, so yeah that was this week's episode so I hope you guys enjoyed it Yes. And remember, I hope you all enjoyed it. Yes. And we'll see you next week on the Steps of Dialogue podcast.